Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking about the hospice care team of Christus Hospice Report Bossier. Joining us today is Senior Chaplain and Bereavement Coordinator Woody Johnice. We're going to tell us all about the team and what it takes to care for everyone once you sign up for hospice. And we'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way before making your call. The number is 318-219-4569 and we look forward to hearing from you. And Woody, thank you so much for being here. Well, it's a pleasure to get to be with you all today. <laughs> We're so happy to talk to you about hospice care and maybe dispel some of the feelings and the conditions that we've heard forever and what hospice really means, because it is about living and thriving, not it, about it, dying. It truly is about living the best life and making the best of the days that are possible. Normally it's that dreaded, almost people would say a four letter word, but it really is about a four letter word life and making the best and, and ch cherishing those moments. Um, some of the medications people hear and, and that's one of those aspects that people say, where, where does the chaplain fit into this picture? Well, one of those aspects that most of us, I know some are, are good, highly religious people and there's nothing wrong with that but that there's an old phrase from, I believe, the 50s that said, I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I don't dance. Well, when you're in, in, in hospice care, and sometimes the medicines can make you feel a little more comfortable, and sometimes giving patients and families permission to utilize the medicines that God has created sometimes is a great gift to them. Some take more work than others. Some are difficult because but it is one of those aspects that we as a hospice team really do work at giving that patient as great of an independent living as possible, making their value and their worth that they've always had um, as significant as possible. Right. And I think that's key right here, too. Let's talk about um, let's reframe it from the start when a lot of people think they hear hospice or I'd like to call in hospice for you. They think it's final, that they're being written off, that there's nothing else you can do. And really, there are only two qualifications. You have to have a six months or shorter prognosis, prognosis. that that's when you be, and you have to agree to it. And that's it. That's and it. then they'll look at the qualifying and it's no charge. Yeah. Medicare, Medicaid, other insurances will pay for it. You're not charged and it's strictly comfort. It, it is truly about comfort and I, sometimes that prognosis is what made way too late. And so it's always encouraging to, to those who have a prognosis that may be terminal to begin communicating with their doctor, communicating with their family at that time, their wishes about what level and what level of comfort do they want. Um, and you know, some seek treatment um, and go, that's enough. One, one treatment is enough, but begin that conversation early and begin that process because it could be a short time. There, there are some that, frankly, I, cause me distress because I, <laughs> I don't ever get to know them. I don't ever get to meet the family because the prognosis is so quick and the end of life comes so quickly. But then there are those that become like family. Um, I, I have set a new record um, in January of this year. Um, had a patient that I had for four years, seven months, and 27 days. Goodness. So when people think six months, it is a prognosis of six months. Now she, can, she continued to decline that entire um, period of time, and I had one that was three and a half years. 
just some some disease prognosis are, are slow, but begin that conversation as early as possible to begin working on those decisions with family and making choices that bring about the quality of life. Right, and I think two things are good to point out here too. Uh, there's been studies that shown up to 6% of hospice patients live much longer than their six month prognosis once they join hospice care. And Jimmy Carter just said, it was a really good point too. Once you decide you don't wanna be treated anymore, sometime they want quality of life, that's the time to call hospice because it is all about your quality of life. And there is this charge from hospice people do get discharged from a hospice. Yes. That they get better. Yeah. I, and one of my famous cases, I had a lady that had Alzheimer's. Upon my first visit to her, she was 99, by the way, uh, my first visit with her, she met all the criteria. I saw her about seven months later, and I, I communicated to our team and our medical director and said, we need to reconsider this. Where she was at six months prior, she was not at the same place. Um, and so people do get discharged and, and sometimes getting onto hospice you feel much better and the quality of life improves. Right. And they're like, I think I can, and we always welcome them back going, you know, go back and we want to give them that independent as great as possible where they can continue to shop. But when that time comes that they're at home, we, we're gonna make sure that they get all the care that they need at home from the spiritual, the psychosocial, the medical, as well as um, personal care needs. Right, and that's a good thing to point out too. You're still totally in control when you're on right. hospice. You can decide to get off of it and you don't have to give a reason. I would like to not have hospice care anymore. And then if you decide you do wanna get back on it later, come on back. And as long as you qualify again, and usually you do, just come on back and we're happy to take yeah. care of you. And even if it's 24 hours, you still get the same care of the whole team if you only have 24 hours right. with them, it, whether it's six months, Everything you get is it. put in place at the moment that, you, that a patient or a family decides, here's what we want to do. The, the wheels go in motion and um, we try to be very efficient at getting that done as quickly as possible because there, there is no shortness of time as to how quickly someone can get comfort. Right, that's yeah. a very good way to put it. it and that's what hospice care is all about, comfort. It is about that comfort and, and about that uh, character and quality of life. Yeah, and let's talk about how extensively that word comfort is with a care team. Who do you have on the care team? Care team is our, our nurse. Um, there's a CNA that helps with bathing, changing the linens, you know. And those are certified aides. Those, those are like aides, okay. yeah. Um, and then we have a social worker that helps with um, not only family needs, um, sometimes, and that may go to the place of family or, or burnout. They, they, they've given all of the care energy that they can give. Um, one of the things of hospice care is we have a program called respite. And a family member can, be, can place their, their loved one in one of our facilities um, for up to five days and allow them a mental break or if there is a grandchild graduating and they need to be able to travel, um, the social worker can help to arrange that. Or if a patient is doing well and they want to travel, social worker will begin to arrange that and with wherever they're going to make sure that while they're there, that they get the same level of quality of care um, that they would get if they were here in Shreveport, Bossier or the surrounding area. So. 
That's wonderful. And when you say respite care for five days in a facility, that means it's like if someone is at home and there's not going to be anyone there to take care of them, the social worker can help the family coordinate going to a hospital or a nursing home, Absolutely. some kind of a rehabilitation facility where they're cared for up for up to five yeah. days. Somewhere where they're going to get our, our, our nurses and our team are going to follow yes. them at that same place until they return to home. Um, but they, they we, we kind of keep a track on them and, and kind of stalk them that you don't get out of our, our care um, because we want to make sure that th that quality of care that we provide at Christus Hospice stays in place. And it doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It's for five, up to five days and you get to come back home. You get to and come. another thing that people probably don't realize, you just mentioned that when someone goes, is a Christus Hospice patient, they go to um, a facility, our nurses or your nurses still are the ones that go in there yeah. and take care of them. That is correct. Uh, the, the nurses and CNAs will, will still follow them so that they, it's familiar faces to them. Um, so that their care team, the people that they know are continuing to see them, you know, going sometimes that, that can be a little fearful for some patients, you know, that that's the last place that they want to be. And so they're sure them that that's not a permanent thing, that that's a place that they're going to make sure that we're caring for their family as well. Um, and that's one of the aspects of hospice that, that comes when it comes to the close of life, that they know we've already been doing that, that we've given their family that time to go to that grandchild's um, graduation or to the wedding or all those things. And so they know that we're already doing those things so that when it comes to assuring them that we're going to follow up on their families, that we've already proven that to be true. And do you find in your speaking with the patients and the families that they are afraid they're going to be forgotten or they're written off or put in a facility when they really yeah. just want to stay home? What kind of fears do you hear? Some of those fears are going, I guess they, they really don't love me. And, 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 you know, they've been provided that assurance and, and to know that they've got that team. Now, some that, that, you know, when I encounter them and visit with them, they're like, this is the, the best thing that has happened. You know, I know that if this comes to be, if it ever comes that they have to and they, you know, it's not that they don't love me, I think this would be okay. So it's kind of a, a meddling or, or getting their feet a little bit into the water just to know and, and alleviate some of those fears. And that's one of the things that we do, um, especially as the chaplain and as a social worker, we, uh, the chaplain and social worker are kind of uh, a pair team, the dynamic yeah. duo, if you might call them, of the non-medical, those things that aren't black and white, that aren't have a prescribed remedy to them, um, that we work in, in that genre and in that area to alleviate some of those fears and to provide some comfort um, and assurances. I like to use the, uh, the term affirmation, validation, and celebration. Um, that those are three aspects that, you know, we're affirming who they are, we're validating that some of the feelings that as growing old, as, as someone once told me, growing old isn't for sissies. <laughs> and you know, and that as we mature in life, some of us find that to be a little more of a reality. But we're also about celebrating um, a life well lived and accomplishments that uh, no one may have known and are, or that they may have told their story, but someone to tell those things that deep down make them who they are and to continue to celebrate that person. Right. Uh, 
And it's a good point too to point out that not everyone is. We think you see hospice, maybe someone is in a bed surrounded by family and we come and help and support everyone or you do, then it's not always that way. That sometimes someone is alone and hospice may be all they have. You coming by, the social worker, the nurses, um, it, and no one you know, needs to die alone unless they want to, but if they don't want well, to, yeah. you're there but, for them. But, but in that, and that's one of the aspects that I, and, and where does the chaplain fit into the hospice program? Um, when we become ill, quite often due to, you know, bowel issues or lack of strength, being able to get around, being able to, you know, most people could find someone if they wanted to bring them to church, but just the energy and the, the medical concerns that people have going, I don't want to be a burden. I, I don't want to do that. And so as illness progresses, quite often many patients become disconnected from their faith community. You know, that's, that's one of the great aspects to be able to go in and for them to know that someone's going to regularly be coming to see and can provide them the sacraments. You know, um, we have a, a volunteer that brings um, communion and hosts to all of our, our Catholic patients that want it um, on a weekly basis. And, you know, and he also spends time with them mm -hmm. and, and, and engages them in their faith. And that's one of those aspects. But also to, to bring those sacraments and, and to bring that affirmation. We bring to that spiritual component an aspect that people say, I have believed this all of my life. These are the bedrocks that I've held. When you come to placing some of those truths that we've had in our head and our mind and we've spoken and we've shared, um, to, to validate that those are, are real and those are true and to affirm that comfort, as I said, affirm, validate, and celebrate that, you know, that they've lived a life. They've had a faith that has been substantial to them and rewarding and comforting to them. And now to celebrate that for those of especially the Christian faith, that they're going to celebrate the end of that relationship in a new way. Right. And we talk about this with, with the the faith that we read about and that we know about. And also, it doesn't have to be that kind of faith from the church. If we even put that if someone just really wants to be validated and just have a nurturing talk and have someone to hold their hand what? in the community, it doesn't have to be about the type of faith that we hear and see about all the time. There's all kinds of faith and, and all kinds, especially I would imagine facing the end of life. And you're there to give that spiritual, existential, and just that, individual care. And that's why I use the term also existential in, in some, in, in our area, um, when you say the chaplain, they think preacher. Yes. A and the other terms would be spiritual counselor. And that's why I like to use, also use the term existential. Whether you have a particular faith, whatever it is, or no faith, um, that the chaplain can still be there to provide that comfort. I've had some Taoists, I've had some Taoists, um, that their joy was seeing the blossoms come out on the, the yeah. trees and, and to celebrate that with them, that that birth of life was a reminder that um, for them that there was something bigger and greater and that even at their own close of life that something was giving forth for them. Right. Um, it, it sounds to me a lot like what Krista's Hospice does through 
you as a chaplain. Uh, Cynthia Terrell was the social worker was supposed to yeah. uh, join us today. Um, and they're all specialized. She's a master's in social work. And, right. and it's all particular to hospice care. You really are centralized on this feeling of what someone must be going through being told this. But it's just that sense of community and being there and validating someone and just giving them that sense of community and listening. One of the things I, I usually always tell our, our patients and families, um, you don't only get a nurse. You've gone from a doctor and sometimes getting to see their nurse. You've gone to having a team. Utilize the team. Our, our phone number, 383-6748, is answered 24 hours a day. Somebody will always be there to answer the phone. Come out if need be, give you what you need to know. If it's in triaging, you know, crisis management or pain management, or, or even that the death has come, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to say, we'll be there and, and, and to provide um, all that you need to do. And, you know, was it, for families sometimes struggle with going, what happens, what do I do in that? And to begin preparing them that you call us and our hospice team will take care of the rest of it from that point on. And, and it's really nice to know that 24-7 doesn't matter. Even if yeah. the family has a question at 2.30 in the morning, call that 24, call. Uh, yeah, and someone will help someone you. Someone will answer it, and if need be, they will be on their way to mitigate or um, bring the comfort necessary if, if there's a crisis going on. And sometimes that may take 15 minutes. Sometimes that may be three hours. They will do whatever is necessary to bring, and they won't leave until that comfort level that we call comfortable is achieved. Right, and that's from blankets, gloves, clothes, medication, yeah. and, and plus every hospital need you need. If someone needs a, a hospital bed right away, it's sent sometime it's, the very same day. Yeah. Um, anything. Or even sometimes is all of that, as we try if we can, all of that is waiting when they arrive. So if they're transferring from the hospital or they're transferring from, um, a facility, all of that is waiting for them when they get there, so um, there's no... There's no waiting time. There's no waiting time, yeah. The care We're, starts as soon as they sign up. We, we, we try to be very uh, proactive and, and try to be uh, uh, forward-thinking on, because we do this every day and many families don't do this every day, and so we try to go, here are some things that you may need because we know the patterns and we know with certain illnesses and with certain um, disease progressions that certain things are going to be needed. So we put those in place because families will say, I don't need this, I don't need this. Well, you may. Mm -hmm. and, and we want to make sure that at 2 o'clock in the morning, if you need it, that it's there and we can instruct you and we can provide that guidance on how to do that. Right, and even if they get there, I don't need that, I don't think I'm gonna need that, and they decide when they get home they do, all they have to do is call, because you're not gonna say, there's no judgment, there's no nothing like we told you, and no, it's like, you got it. We yeah. want to get it, get it there and get it done. Because sometimes you don't know till no. you get in there, and you don't want to have something come out that you didn't, you thought you were going to need, and you don't. And yeah. and so it's very caring. It's everything is yes, yes, we'll do it. Yeah, and it's one of those questions that going, you know, how much time do I have? We don't know. That's not our decision. We we have some some guidelines, and sometimes one of the things that we do, we have a, um, a little book um, that we give to families at times, and. Um, I often point families to page 13 and 14 because they're like, well, I don't. And I have found that many families go to that page 13 and 14 in the little blue book that we give them 
and they begin making check marks, going, yeah, I hadn't really noticed that. But they so begin, is there a list on those pages they, they, of what to look for? They begin to, to notice those little clients that have been coming over the months. And so that's why I, I mentioned it. As soon as possible, begin that conversation so that you're kind of beginning to notice those little things that uh, are little triggers that go, we may need to think about this a little more. Because uh, yeah. sometimes that's the hardest discussion to have for, for doctors and physicians. Um, to, to go to that place where going, it's not giving up, it's just changing how we consider success. Right, and if that is the case, then there's no sense you don't have to suffer, that you can right. have comfort, and have, whether it's someone being there or medication or all the things we and, need. And, and, and you, you mentioned that, I, one, one of the early days, I, I've done hospice about eight years now, one of the early days, one of the things that I, was called to a home. <laughs> a patient was close to end of life and um, to provide counsel to her two sisters that were refusing to give her her medication because they were determined that based upon their faith tradition that the patient should suffer as a part of the close of life. Um, and the patient was in quite agony and finally was able to resolve that and patient was able to get the medications needed um, and have a peaceful and comfortable death. And I, I consider that a great success in, in our hospice team who had been working to um, bring that patient to that place. Right, and again, I'm sure that sometimes it can be a challenge when um, you do have to you know, abide by the family's beliefs and their requests because right. all you are doing is saying it's offered. Here's what right. you have. Here's what we have. It's your decision. We, we don't, in, in terms of hospice and spiritual care, we don't bring an agenda. Right. Um, I have shared with one patient going, I'll come and we'll talk about hunting, fishing, <laughs> talk about painting, whatever, or, or art. Whatever is their significant value and gives them value in life can be a discussion. Um, I just want to have that relationship with them so that when the questions or the concerns come up, as obscure as they may be, they know that there's someone safe that they can ask the question. Because sometimes when we've lived a certain way or when we've held certain beliefs, to go against it might indicate weakness, mm -hmm. to, to, that they're being weak and they won't, they've always been strong and they've never asked anybody and they've never had to ask anybody the answer to something, to give them a place where they can be vulnerable. Um, and that's um, a good place for, to, to serve in a place of honor that uh, comes with rewards that you would never could imagine. It is an honor to be there with someone at that time in their life. You're right. And I, I think you touched on it too, to be a safe place to be vulnerable, but also to know that we're here to give you your, your dignity and do it your way and live your life your way. It's yeah. really just following their requests and what they need. And they make the decision, yep, I can help you be more comfortable with that. Would you like this? Would you like this? But it is about that, that your way, your individual way. You're in control. You're not giving up anything. 
it's your dignity and you get to do it this way. And we talked about older people going through this and I think that's what goes through a lot of people's mind that this is something that when you get to a certain age but and you can't take care of yourself, but you've had, if it's an accident or a disease of a younger person, you have very young people in I, hospice. I, I have cared for a patient that was 24 years old yeah. with two children. Um, and that's one of the aspects of where our social worker also comes into play in providing and making sure those resources that are available from the hospice team as well as the community and community resources are connected if need be. And uh, even for, you know, one of the requests is uh, quite often, uh, can you get me Meals on Wheels? <laughs> And that's a, that's a phone call that the family doesn't have to worry. The social worker will arrange for that and make contact, you know, or um, other needs that are of that nature, make sure that we get them all of the benefits just as Medicare covers their hospice benefit that any other resources, especially for our veterans. Um, we yeah. are approaching and being a level five, we honor veterans um, to make sure that we give some of those special needs um, for veterans and, and to understand what those veterans may be going through. Yes. Um, that, that, you know, I, I've had several patients um, that were Vietnam veterans. Um, and some of the, the medicines, especially the morphine, they were deathly afraid of ever taking it. Um, because for them, when you got that dose, that meant that you were imminent, that, you know, there were only moments or hours and and to, and to help them lead through and to find that piece where they can find some relief, uh, especially for respiratory right. needs. Which so. is really, morphine does, it's a respiratory right. drug. It's we right. hear about other things, but it really does help I, with the breathing. Be, be, being non-medical, I, I, I often say, the brain says I need this much oxygen, <laughs> the body says I can give you this much. And it helps bring those two and say, okay, we can live with that. Right, right. And again, too, it's it's always going to be and the nurses and everyone who apply anything are watching closely and the whole team meets often to talk about every patient so the whole team knows about every family every patient everyone uh, we, we we spend a period of time every morning and every evening so that even for what's going on during the day for anything that may be coming up during the night that we are aware of what's may be happening so that if someone else needs to fill in they, they know what's going on and we are able to give the best care in the quickest amount of time. Right, and our volunteers, your volunteers are very important too. Yes. They do a lot, they, they, run they, errands, everything. They, they do an awful lot and, uh, and, and it's for them, it's a great joy. And I, I had one come in to, to me yesterday because I had mentioned to her uh, that I had taken a patient out in a, that was in a facility in a wheelchair to sit outside and feel the cool air and see the sunshine and she said I heard you do that and she said you know I did that and the smile and the joy of being able to give back to that patient um, to paint her nails and, and, and to let her see the sunshine and hear the birds um, sometimes in close of life we forget the little things we do um, and so one of the things that we want to make sure that we are always doing as a hospice team is caring for those little things that it, as you mentioned, it may be bringing a shake to, to that patient when we go to see them, you know, that they're, that are their favorite hamburger or um, not that we're trying to spoil them or get any special, but just that extra care that says, 
I thought about you today. And that's what we want them to know and celebrate. Do you feel like that's pretty much what Christos Hospice is all about? I thought about you, I'm here. It is, that uh, you're never alone and that um, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that, uh, that your integrity, that your value and your significance is honored uh, and that you are unique. You're not just another number or another patient in another room that... You matter. You matter, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and we're here to make you comfortable, yeah. And, and to bring that great peace. I, I, peace. Do, Dr. Uh, Robert Massengill is one of our medical directors, and that's one of his first questions. Um, are they comfortable? Are, are they peaceful? And right. we've learned through the years what, what he means. Oh, yes. But what, by what, does that quality come? And he's insistent that we give that kind of quality. Yeah, and it's very genuine and to, good to know that the medical director, the first thing he asks is, are they comfortable? Are they at peace? What can we do? Are we doing everything? Yep. And then that filters through the whole team. Yeah. What's the one thing you want to leave us with today, Woody, that people need to know about hospice care and Krista's um, hospice report, Bozier in particular? Well, I think it is utilize the team, utilize the service, um, I've only had one family in eight years that didn't um, have a good hospice experience, but they didn't utilize the team and they tried to do it their way. Right, and you still can do it your way within everything they right. offer, so no. But allow the team to support you and help you along that, that way. Because they're all specialized in hospice. These nurses are trained in hospice, the aides, you, the social workers, everyone. It's tra- yeah. specifically for this. Yep. Yeah. It makes for a great journey. It does. We're glad to walk on it. That's right. (laughs) You want to give the phone number one more time for Christmas? It is 318-383-6748, and that's answered 24 hours a day. Um, And they can call anytime, even if they just have questions. They may not even have anyone close or not. They just can find out. Okay. All right. Woody, thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to have you. (laughs) And thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.